way of announcements this morning. Uh, just uh, next Sunday is going to be our kids' dress-up day, uh, and we have hamburgers and hot dogs uh, after church for the kids, and then uh, I'll just say lots of candy. We'll just leave that as to how it goes. Um, and the the, the, the dress-up part is uh, obviously we're going to be doing it here in church, and, and, and so it needs to be if you can, it's going to be way maybe church appropriate. And uh, the uh, just planning to have lots of fun and, and sharing together. Um, if you have any questions about it, you can uh, give me a call or Debbie Littlefield a call. And for helpers, uh, Debbie Littlefield could use some helpers, and so uh, you can uh, give her a call, and she would be glad to let you know what's going on and what she needs help with. And so it should be a really enjoyable afternoon for uh, our family groups. So uh, just uh, plan on that. And then uh, our community group is uh, planning to start up on November 19th. And we meet at 6 p.m. We meet at uh, my house, that's 1399 Weber Street in, here in Fortuna. Uh, just off of, uh, you can get to Weber Street uh, off of School Street, uh, just before you get to Romerville Road. And uh, so uh, we are looking forward to that. We're going to be doing our study uh, in the Gospel of John. We have a Max Lucado book, uh, okay book that uh, we have We'll have available next Sunday, so that you can pick them up and look ahead if you want. And so, uh, glad to be getting that started again. And uh, I think that's all I have in the way of upcoming. Oh, shoe boxes! Uh, we we have the, a few shoe boxes left out here if you haven't had a chance to get any, and uh, the opportunity to uh, hand them out. They go uh, in different parts of the world. Uh, in the shoe box is a uh, explanation of what it's for and the kinds of gifts that would be appropriate. And uh, generally, you choose to do either a boy or a girl box, or you can do one of each. And uh, just get a fill up now. Brad, do you know the date the due date is? Uh, yeah, the last Sunday is the 14th of November. Okay, the last Sunday to, to get them in back to church so we can get them shipped in time is November 14th. So uh, you want to get those and, and get going on those. and uh, it's, uh, it's a blessing. These kids are just uh, overwhelmed at times with the gifts that they give things. Now, when we think of a pencil or, or a, a bit of paper, uh, little notebooks and stuff like that is, is just common stuff. And these are things that are just so special to them because they can't get a hold of them. They can't afford them or they're just not available. So uh, the, uh, we've got, I think, maybe a half a dozen more boxes out in the hallway. Oh, I've got, I've got more. Okay, and we've got, we've got more. So that means that uh, we can use those and, and, and get some more on the side. Uh, in our prayer needs this morning, um, we have... Two that I want to update you on. One is uh, Diane Dan. Uh, she's in Sonoma Valley Hospital. Uh, she's been having, uh, uh, I guess, the, the, the possibility of TMIs or or uh, some other events that have been going on with her health. Uh, she's very disoriented, and uh, the goal is to get her back into the. Uh, Housing into the uh, where she was down there at uh, Broadway Villa, uh, Red Home, and then hopefully uh, get her back up here into one of the rest homes up here. So uh, keep Diane in prayer, and then Phil Strider, uh, keep him in prayer. Uh, he fell uh, and uh, had. Uh, Injured his head. Uh, he had a hematoma, had a hematoma uh, in the brain, and uh, he also has several broken ribs, and uh, both in the front and then in the back as well. So, uh, very difficult healing process for that. 
and he's in the hospital down in Santa Rosa. And uh, the prayer is that the hematoma will simply be absorbed uh, by the brain, and it appears like that may be happening. And so uh, we want just to continue to pray for that, and pray for Arlene as, uh, and, and uh, being at home. She's got uh, neighbors and friends and people at church that have been coming alongside, so uh, we appreciate that. And, uh, you know, a card would be nice, too. Yeah, we wouldn't have it. Don't hesitate. And uh, Kay, more just a continued prayer that uh, she could get uh, a diagnosis on her eyesight and something that would uh, clear it up and uh, she, could, uh, she could be able to drive me. But she said she feels fine uh, other than that. So she just, uh, what's, her eyesight is what's in causing her not to be able to go anywhere. And so she asked for that. Um, can't think of any other earnings uh, immediate uh, that we need to put up. Uh, just this time of year, uh, uh, we've got a number of people that uh, right now going through body pain and, and this type of thing, and so we've uh, trained for, for those in, uh, as well. That's uh, pretty good. Father, we come to you first to thank you. To know that the and the songs that we sang, sang pointed it out so so well. The things that you have done for us, and the, and, and the things that you will do for us, and are doing for us, and, and, and the future that you have for us. All of those things are so special and such a blessing to have to give us comfort. We can truly say death has lost its sting because of what you have done. And, and so we come worshiping you, praising you, and thanking you. You've also told us that we are to come boldly before your throne to ask for your mercy and your grace. And so we come asking for mercy and grace on those in our prayer needs, uh, specifically praying for Phil Stryger, that you would bring healing to his body, rapid healing on these ribs, and, and that he would be able to get up and around and be pain-free very quickly and that the hematoma would be completely absorbed and, and gone and, and no repercussions whatsoever. We just pray for a full uh, help uh, for him. And be with Arlene uh, as she uh, anxiously waits for him to, to be home. And Lord, also for Diane Van, uh, we pray that you would not only bring healing for her body, but bring in a door open the door for her to be able to come back to Humboldt County, to Fortuna or to Eureka, and uh, that she can be near people that she knows and family. And so we bring that to you and ask for you to minister to her. And again, in, a, in this time of the year with flu and, and colds and all those things, and, and we just ask, Lord, that you would uh, protect our congregation, protect the body of Christ, uh, protect our loved ones. Uh, from, from sickness and health issues. And again, we come with a confidence that the God of all creation hears our prayers. We thank you. And Father, we, we pray that as we open your word, that through your Holy Spirit, you would open our minds and our hearts to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, uh, we'll be doing our second message on the book of Romans, uh, I shared with uh, you the last week, uh, the, you know, the book of Romans is, there's a number of ways to divide the book of Romans, but there's two major divisions, and they go, the first division is the chapters 1 through 11, and they deal with the presentation, basically, of the gospel the doctrine of the gospel, if you will, all the things that are involved, and uh, why we have the gospel, why we need the gospel. That was last week's message. Uh, this week is chapters uh, 12 through 16, the second part, and that is applying the gospel, causing it to become the way we live our lives in response to the gospel message. And so uh, we have, uh, as we looked at it last week, we shared the idea of the, the need for the gospel. The wages of sin is death. 
and uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the free gift of life is eternal life. The free gift of God is eternal life. And so as we look at these different things, uh, we come to that final statement that we kind of left with last week uh, in chapter 10, verses 9 and, and, and uh, well, let's just look at them. Uh, Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 9 through, uh, now we'll go to 13. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we went through uh, chapter 8 as to some of the things that we are, as, as the children of God, uh, as, as called of God, as saved of God, uh, that become ours. And, and chapter 8, verse 1, for instance, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, Judgment is done. It is satisfied. Jesus is paid the price and paid it in full. There's absolutely nothing for us to bring to the table for our salvation. It has been taken care of. And so there's no condemnation. As a result, verse 14 of chapter 8 says, We are called sons of God. Verse 15 says uh, that we are allowed to, you know, because we are children of God, sons of God, daughters of God, we can cry out, Abba, Father, which is, is the familiar term. Abba is a familiar term for Father. It means a closeness of relationship. He is our Father. We are His children. In fact, verse 16 says we are children of God in chapter 8, verse 16. Verse 17 of chapter 8 says that we are heirs of God. We're of joint heirs with Jesus. I mean, you start to, to, to look at these things, and you can't help but start to get excited about who we are in Christ. It's absolutely amazing. We are at peace with God through Jesus Christ. And, and, and he goes on to say at the end of the chapter, chapter 8, there's nothing that can separate us. I am his and he is mine. The grace of God is so awesome, so overwhelming, and so complete. So today, what's our response to this? Well, how do we apply it? And that's what we want to look at today. Uh, the gospel applied, starting in chapter 12. And, and, and actually, I'm, I'm kind of going to go out of order just a little bit. I want to look first at chapter 12, verse 11. Chapter 12, verse 11 of, of the book of Romans. Paul writes, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Serving the Lord. Let me uh, share with you uh, a little an article that I picked up that's you know just giving us some ideas about serving the Lord. Uh, something that uh, was put together by uh, Ray Stedman. Uh, the Greek word here is is leo. It's uh, contrast to other words speaking of service. In the chapter it says uh, that this service here is required of slaves. This word means the kind of service that is required of slaves. Uh, before conversion, we were slaves to sin. Through the blood of Christ and confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart that Jesus is the Christ, God raised him from the grave. When we accept him that we are saved, we now become slaves of God. We've been purchased with the blood of Christ. We are his bond servants. And 
know, Peter talks about this, uh, Paul talks about it in Corinthians, as well as, as here in Romans. And so I was uh, looking at this phrase, uh, do not be slothful in zeal, or be, you know, but be fervent in spirit. And the idea of slothful here, we have lots of ideas of what the, the word slothful will mean. Most people uh, buy the idea of something that is, is lazy. And, that, and that's part of this word. But also the word is, is, is got an idea of sluggish. Slow to move. Don't be slow to move in zeal. And that, I, I, I kind of like that picture. Uh, don't be backwards. This word can go as far as the, the slothful can actually go into the idea of backwards. Don't be backward in zeal. Don't, don't be without it. Don't be lagging behind in zeal. So this word slothful is, is, is a very descriptive word that we might not catch all of it. But the idea is that we are to be uh, excited about who Jesus Christ is. And this word zeal also has an idea tied to it of jealous. Jealous of Jesus, meaning we want a, a relationship with Christ. We are, we are going to do everything we can to have it. We're zealous for this relationship. Diligent. Uh, we are, are earnest. I'm trying to think of all the words that went with it. Uh, we really want this relationship with Christ. We don't want to be lagging behind in it. We want to be going excitedly ahead with it in our relationship, which means to grow in Christ. We don't get there all at once, it's a process. And then he goes on and uses the word fervent in spirit. Uh, this idea of fervent, I really like the, the literal translation. It is uh, boiling over with heat. Think of a kettle that has come to full boil and now it's filling over on your stove. <laughs> yeah, once you're rushing to go to turn it down. But, but that idea of a full... And I, I thought about this because so many times, especially new Christians... Uh, as they come to the Lord there, they are boiling over, they're fervent, and they come to church and people will say, oh, we need to calm down. That's not what the scripture says. We don't need to get complacent and, and, and regular with it. We, we are to be always fervent, boiling over with zeal, confident in what God has done for us, not lagging behind. And it's, it's fervent in spirit, and the, the argument was, uh, some debate, is this the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of man? And I like what Ray Stedman put together here, was it is a combination of the two. Because if we're speaking to believers, and it's your spirit, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to be both. And so this idea of, of being fervent and in, in seeking the Holy Spirit and allowing it to change who we are. Scripture tells us that we uh, are new creatures in Christ. Paul writes that to the Corinthians. We are new. We are a new creation. We are new creatures in Christ. And and so we're not of the world. We're of the kingdom of God. So this is who we are called to be. The other thing that he pointed out here was this idea of uh, being fervent in spirit is that we are to be motivated by the Holy Spirit. We are to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, direct us in our paths. And I, I put in here for just my own notes, you know, serving in the church is not an option. We are called to be servants in the church. The, the, the basic idea of serving is for every Christian. Uh, the gift of serving, people say, well, I don't have the gift of serving. The gift of serving is something above and beyond the normal foundation for, for Christians. It's a person who is unique in what they're, you know, they, they are fervent in their serving in a particular area and they have the gift of serving. But that's, we're all called to serve. I'll get to that a little clearer in a minute. So, here we are again. Oh, and one other thing I wrote down here was the thought of 
of Jesus telling us we are to hunger and thirst after Him and after His righteousness. Okay? And so again comes this idea of zeal and fervency. Seeking after God, being fervent in spirit. I think of Ephesians uh, chapter 5, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be filled with the things of the world, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, fervent, excited, seeking the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Now, if we go to chapter 12, to the, the first verses, again, talking about, you know, I, I, what it is to be serving the Lord, uh, is, is, it starts right off here. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Therefore, brothers, I like that, that phrase, and always, and I know it's hokey to put it this way, but, but you know, the, the, the standard thought here is, what is the therefore, therefore? <laughs> and, and, and this idea is, is therefore, based on all that I have said, I believe it's based on chapters 1 through 11 and what the gospel is and what the gospel has done. Therefore, brothers, because of your confession, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, believe, speak, faith in Jesus Christ, that he's raised from the dead, salvation. Therefore, then we move ahead as to how to begin our walk with the Christ, with Christ, how to serve Jesus Christ. And it starts with, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. To present here is to place at someone's disposal. In other words, we are to place ourselves in a position to be used by someone. Well, obviously we're speaking of the We are presenting ourselves to Jesus Christ as a living sacrifice. And it says to present your bodies. It, and, and the idea here tied to the word bodies is it's our whole self, our mind, our body, our soul, all that we are, we are to present to Jesus as a living sacrifice. The idea of living there is an extremely important, active, productive sacrifice. We're not just to go to the altar one time, lay, lay ourselves on the altar, confess Jesus Christ, and, and then be inactive. That's the whole idea of what Paul's getting at in these chapters, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16 of the, of the book of Romans, is that our service is something that is active, it is productive, it's a living sacrifice that we are presenting. Our whole self. And, and we're presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, holy. The idea of holy is something separate and set aside. We'll look at that more closely as, as we add to this. Something that is acceptable, pleasing, uh, reasonable. And, and I like that idea of, 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 the idea of it being a reasonable... It's a reasonable response to what God has done. To offer ourselves a living sacrifice Holy. And he says it's, it's also uh, something that is our duty in the sense that it is your spiritual worship. Again, the response to what Christ has done is to worship Him. To worship God and all that He has done for us through Jesus Christ. Spiritual. Again, your spirit motivated by the Holy Spirit is, I believe, is tied into that. And to worship God. And we're told that, you know, to worship God 
with how our heart, soul, our mind, all that we are, all of that is, is implied by all of this. And then in chapter uh, 12, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to the world. The idea of conformed is simply don't be made like. Don't look like. Don't blend in with. Don't seek to be like the world. And when he's talking about the world, he's talking about the opposite of, of church. In other words, the, the world are the people that are unsaved. We use them like this. Don't be like the world that, that doesn't know Jesus Christ. You're unique. You're different. You're a living sacrifice. You are, a, I, I heard it put one time, you're a walking billboard for Jesus Christ. But, but the idea is, is that we are to be, when people see us, they'll look at us and say, you're not the same as the rest of the world. And you remember what Peter says to do about that when somebody lets you says, Why are you different? Be prepared to give a testimony of what Christ has done in your life. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewal of your mind. Transformed, chained, metamorphosed. And again, coming down to this idea, new creature in Christ. As this happens, and as this grows, we begin to discern the will of God. What is, is good in the eyes of God? What is acceptable in the eyes of God? What is perfect in the eyes of God? We begin to perceive the things of the kingdom of God versus the things of a fallen world in sin. We become servants of God rather than servants of sin. See all this transformation ties together. It's an amazing picture that Paul is putting together for us. How do we serve the Lord? We commit ourselves to knowing who God is, what He has done, what He is doing, what He will do, and asking the Holy Spirit to lead us and knowing him. And and it's like I said, it's a process. We grow. How many times have you sat down and, and either heard a message or, or read a scripture and said, you know, and, 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 and me if it started somebody might said start and said, Okay, well we're gonna to go to uh, chapter uh, one of uh, verse one of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the word and your your mind automatically starts to fade because you've heard you know, sermons and Bible studies and everything on that on that earth. And that's the, the point in time where we say, Holy Spirit, wake me up. And sometimes what happens at that point then is you turn around and say, I have never thought of it that way. And it might not even be something the pastor said, but how he said it as it triggers the thought in your mind, oh, it goes this way. I see this now. Oh, this goes with this in a way I hadn't seen before. And we begin to understand even more what the will of God is in our lives and in the life of the body of Christ. In chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, Paul says that, you know, Again, I, I'm thinking of what it says that they wrote to the Corinthians, a uh, new creature, a new creation uh, in Christ. Uh, it tells us that we are one of many members of one another. We are one of many members of one another. But we are the body of Christ. We are one of many members. We need each other. We need to be in fellowship with each other. We need to be in worship with each other. We need to be into the Word of God with each other. During this time of, of COVID and, and all the times, uh, all the, the, the 
the difficulties where we had to be separate and watching on, online and different things. It's been so difficult. And, and I believe that we should look at and, and strike out for every opportunity where we can be together, encouraging one another, lifting up one another, singing together, worshiping together. That's part of what it is to be the body of Christ, to be a child of God, children of God. We're a family. We need the family coming together. We're members of one another. And, and he points out here, we have different gifts. That's one of the reasons why we need to get together because nobody has, you know, we need each other's gifts working at, with each other so that we experience, you, you can you know, minister to me, I can minister to you. It's not just the job of the pastors of the church to, to minister. We minister to one another. We lift each other up. And, and it makes sure that you understand that no one is more important than another in the body of Christ. No one member is more important than another member in the body of Christ. No pastor is more important than this congregation. Okay? No wealthy person is more important than somebody else. In other words, we are all the same. We are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need the same salvation. We've all missed the same mark. And, 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 and we're all in, in, the, in the framework of God's kingdom members of one another. He does talk about gifts here, though. He says there's prophecy, there's serving, there's teaching, there's exhortation, there's giving, there's leadership, there's mercy, there's hospitality. And like I said, some people say, well, I don't have the, 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 the gift of serving. Wait a minute, that's, this is above and beyond. In other words, that's like saying I don't have the gift of mercy. We're all called to have mercy. Okay, the gift of mercy is a person who has a ministry called to get to giving mercy above and beyond. I think of hospital chaplains. What special people they are. It's, uh, they, they come alongside and they, they, they minister mercy. Hospitality. We're all called to have hospitality. But some people are gifted at it. They, their, their home is open in such a way that you walk through their door and you immediately feel comfortable and, and, and they have a, a way of coming alongside you. They can even come into your home and make you feel comfortable. You know, they, they have a gift of hospitality. Uh, the gift of giving. That's where people are, are able to give above and beyond the normal giving and, and do so in a sacrificial way that, that blesses the body of Christ and blesses the mission field and, and different things. So these gifts, not one of them puts is greater than another. We are all members of one another. Different gifts, yes, but none more important than the other. That's the idea of humility. We are to be humble. We are called. Romans, or in, in, in uh, yeah, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, I'm just going to summarize it this way. They're called to live at peace and in harmony with each other. When you know there is something that you have against a brother, or a brother has something against you, what did Jesus tell us in the, in the Spirit of the Mount? That this the Sermon on the Mount that we're supposed to do? So we go and get together and work it out. We're to be at peace as much as possible to be at peace with each other. And to be at peace within the framework of what's going on in the world around us. As much as possible, as much as it's up to us, to be at peace. In fact, if you get into chapter 13, uh, you know, it says that to be subject to the authorities, uh, to the government. And we have to be careful with this. Because there is a point where if you went to Acts chapter 4 and chapter 5 uh, where the apostles were being arrested for preaching the word of God. They were even beaten for preaching the word of God. And then they were released. They said, we must obey God before Rome. Basically. Okay, there's a point in time where we have to, may have to take a stand and say, 
this is what God's word says. I have to stand on that first. That may put us at odds with the government. At that point, what God's word takes authority in our lives. But as general, in general, we're to be at peace with, with the authorities around us. And as much as it is possible. And what I found was interesting is that you find that uh, during the persecution of the church, as it got fairly heavy towards the ministry, the end of the ministry of Paul and, and, and you know Peter and the apostles and stuff and the, the, the persecution that the church was going through and the loud views that they had to deal with and, and uh, just yeah, short lived, don't worry about it uh, they, the reality of, 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 of the persecution that was going on Paul never tried to fight his way out. He didn't call on the Christians to raise arms and, and, and picket the, 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 the Rome or, or anything like that. He, sent, he, he, he yielded to the authority. And in doing so, he ended up being able to preach to the leadership of Rome, to the, to the Praetorian Guard of Rome. It said they were all about to hear the gospel from Paul before it was over. So Paul, even then, was practicing what he had written as much as possible. Be at peace. Chapter 14 deals with stumbling blocks. And the idea of stumbling blocks here is, that, is, and I want to put it carefully, these are non-gospel issues. In other words, Issues that have nothing to do with chapters 1 through 11. <laughs> and, and, and it has to do with food and days and, and, and clothing and, and different types of things that people get all hung up on in reference to, to church. You know, special days, special food, special feasts, uh, even the kind of clothing that you should be wearing if you're really a, a devout Christian. You know, and, and they're divisive. Paul says those things shouldn't be dividing us. But he says at the same time, as much as, again, as much as possible, don't be a stumbling block to somebody. If you know that someone doesn't drink and it's an offense to them, don't invite them over for dinner and serve bottles of wine. I mean, that's, that's rude. So, the idea of being a stumbling block here is, is as much as possible, again, what? Be In fact, in verse 19 of chapter 14, it says, Pursue what makes for peace and mutual approval. Now, what are we to do? What makes for peace and mutual approval? Oh, yeah, the gospel. The whole message of the gospel. All chapters one through one. Why do you miss up for this morning? Just, uh, I think, a perfectly appropriate closing is to read the doxology in the end of chapter 16. Starts with the 25th verse. Now, to him who is able to strengthen you, to him being God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel, and, and when he says my gospel, what he's saying why he's designating it that way is not that he owns it, but that it's the one he's preached. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. The mystery he was speaking about was how we would be saved and that we include the Gentiles. And so his closing is again, you know, be strengthened by this. Be strengthened by the gospel. And again, it's not something that you can, you know, just you know, I confess Christ and now I've been, you know, overwhelmed and I know the gospel inside and out. It's, it, it, it's developed because there's a fervency 
and a desire to seek after God and to come to know Him. How's the best way to come to know Jesus Christ? How's the best way to know the will of God? It's to get into His Word and study. And when you have a question, you write it down and you, you, you confront one of the pastors in the church uh, and say, what does this mean? How does this tie to this? I don't understand. Or maybe you, you've got a teacher who's a, a mature Christian in, in, in a Sunday school class or, or a Bible study. You go to them and you, say, and you bring it up and you say, how does this come together? And collectively together, we are seeking to know the will of God. For the body of Christ, collectively and individually. We prepare for communion. One of my favorite songs we do for communion. Taking the end of the holy of holies by the blood of the Lamb. And uh, it's the, the you know, it's the, the, the blood of the Lamb, the perfect final sacrifice for us all. And when uh, He died on the cross, the resident of the veil and the curtain. So that we can be brought in and don't have to be priests, but just simply members of the body of Christ. We are brought into the holy of holies to worship, to praise, and to offer ourselves. And uh, so as we prepare to take communion, uh, think of those things and certainly uh, using it as an opportunity to Pray before the Lord the uh, things that you best and, and, and ask me to help us. So let's uh, sing uh, take the end of the Lord.
As we share communion this morning, we'll be using the uh, cups and the little packets that you found on the table in the foyer. If you didn't get one coming in, I'm going to share a scripture for it. Feel free to go and get one. Uh, we'll be doing that if you haven't got one yet. Uh, I wanted to look again at Romans chapter 5 quickly. Uh, verses 6 through 11. All right. But while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who was the ungodly? All of us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled in God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are re- reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God. We are at peace with God. When we say it, the peace of God is what we desire. What we're not looking for is, you know, some people think peace on earth. What we're looking at is peace forgiven of our sins, we are at peace with God. We can reconcile. First Corinthians in chapter 11 uh, we have a scripture that uh, I like to use for communion. Again, it's Paul writing and uh, he says, I received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for me. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, again, we thank you for these emblems that remind us of what you have done for us. You paid sacrifice. The only sacrifice that was able to cover our sins, to take away the sting of death and to present to us eternal life with you forever in the kingdom of God. We thank you, we worship you, we praise you. Cause us to grow in your word, grow in our relationship with you. Cause us to truly hunger and thirst we thank you. As we worship you, as we praise you, as we leave this place, we ask that you go with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. The King of love, my shepherd. Amen. Would you stand as we close?
Thank you.